Welcome to Going Back, 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 sports history podcast with all the stories you need to know and some you don't. My name is Brian Gay, and with me here is my co-host, Tom Young. Hey, Brian, what's going on? Back for another night. Back for another night. Another great uh, week of sports, mainly baseball this week. But yeah, man, how you doing? I'm doing well. We got some... Uh some more tidbits coming up for the crowd tonight. We got facts from August 20th to August 26th. So whatever happened in that time frame, we're going to cover those stories tonight. Sweet. Well, there's lots of fun stuff in sports this week. Um, we're getting into football season starting. I know that the excitement is palpable around here in the Philadelphia area. Everyone's excited about the Eagles. Um, obviously, I'm very excited about the Bills. Tom, what are you, th- what are you thinking? What, is it, what are you looking at with... Uh, I don't know. Just what's going on uh, now? Before we do get into some training camp, I'd be remiss to not start off with a fun fact for the for the show. Oh yeah, I didn't mean to bypass your fact. Yeah, uh, we're good. So in 1956, Willie Mays slashed 296 for his batting average, 369 for his on base percentage, and 557 for his slugging percentage. He also hit 36 home runs, had 40 stolen bases. It was his worst season by WAR in a span of 13 years. His war that year was 7.6, and Brian, if you had to guess where he finished in MVP, MVP voting, where would you say? I'm going to guess he won it just because you're asking it like that. You would be wrong. Damn. 17th in MVP that year. Wow. Really? That's the kicker. Wow. 7.2. 7.6 war. 7.6 war, and didn't win the MVP. Not even like second or third, you know, like 17th. runner up. Seventeenth. What, what year was this? Nineteen fifty-six. Fifty-six. So I, I mean, there was obviously, I mean, there's a slew of ridiculously good Hall of Famers that were playing in that era. Um, but to think of, I, I bet you, if you asked anyone to name sixteen better players than Willie Mays, they'd be well remiss to do so. So, if you had to guess, who do you think won the NL MVP that year? NL MVP in 1956. I mean, AL is probably a little bit easier. Yankees greats are at the top of the list. Okay. So, I'll, I mean, I'll go NL. Um, part of me wants to say it was a Dodger. Maybe somewhere along the lines of like a Duke Snyder. Duke Gina. Snyder finished 10th. All right. Well, he's on the list. That's good. I have no clue, Tom. It could be anybody. Don uh, Newcomb for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, he was a pitcher, wasn't he? Yes, he went 27-7, and 3.06 ERA, .989 whip, pitched in 38 games, uh, pitched in 38 games and started 36. Through 268 innings, 33 homers, 46 walks, 139 strikeouts. That's, I feel like beyond the wins, that was back, I feel like when wins were a really heavily valued stat. Right. Because the rest of that stat line is middle of the road in my opinion. Yeah, I don't. Well, three hundred six is solid. It's not a bad ERA. It's not mediocre by any means. I mean, in today's game, it would be a lot better. But yeah. from where pitching was with the numbers that they were putting up back then, it seems middle of the road. Yeah, that's odd. But again, like that is an error. Like there, for a long time in baseball, wins was such a heavily valued statistic, and we, I think, more and more, they're not looking at that. I mean, because the game has become a lot more analytics driven. There's a lot more statistics. Uh, not more in the way of statistics that are available right now. Um, but, yeah, wins were definitely a huge thing. I think there's a couple of guys back there that won 30 games in a season. And if you go real far back, you get some real stupid numbers, like 400 complete games in a career and stuff like that. And Numbers we'll never see again. No, that's one of the fun things about baseball, though. And I think it's something we've touched on a number of times. Um, we obviously cover a lot of baseball, but I think it's more so just the time of year um, that we've been recording. Um, it's, it's, there's so many different eras to baseball where different stats, different styles of play and just the way the game was approached that you can really break it down into different eras. And, you know, I think that's one of the things I love about baseball is it has such a rich history and there's so many weird, odd, fun facts. Like you can watch a million baseball games and see something new every day. That's the, that's the great thing about baseball. They always say you never know what you're going to see when you get to the park. And it's true. Yeah. I fully, fully agree um you could see history and see a perfect game you could see a no hitter you could see jd martinez have four home runs in one game like you did i still like it still kind of baffles me that got to witness that and um but it's just really uh, there's something that i love about baseball where i feel like you see kind of repetitive stuff in a lot of other sports but baseball is one where just there's so many oddities and it's there's a purity to it in my opinion that you're missing in other sports 
because as much as the game has changed, it hasn't. Where a lot of the other sports, the game has really changed over the years. This one, at its essence, is exactly the same as it was 100 years ago. Yeah, see the ball, hit the ball. See the ball, hit the ball. Now, NFL, it's gone in its waves up and down a little bit. I think we're in the wave right now where it's wide receiver focused, throw the ball as much as you can and get the ball down the field. Yeah. Where, what, five years ago maybe it was pound the ball through the through the tackles and try and run it down the other team's throat well yeah because like you go back and think about who we watched growing up and like a lot of the big names were running backs and um i mean like i remember ladanian tomlinson's 20 plus what was it 20 touchdowns or 20 28 something like had that. something ridiculous like chris johnson of the cj peterson then you go back like jamal lewis clinton portis and like just all these Willis guys, McGahee, that, another guy out of the U. Yeah, so many studs at the time that just. Um, I apologize for the pause there. The Phillies game is on, and we both definitely just. We're now up, up three to two. Yes, sir. A little Schwarber, slash. All right, yeah, but there's so many. I think the game has changed so much from where we were, watching them run ground and pound, um, to it's a much more receiver. Yeah, throwing heavy, receiver heavy. It's more. I think it's more exciting personally that way, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not as fun just watching someone run for three yards, get tackled, run, through, but run there for is, another three yards, get tackled. There is something to be said when your team is running all over the other team. Yeah, when you're busting out seven-yard, eight-yard, ten-yard runs at a time. Yeah, that's great yeah, to watch. That's a blast. Oh, got stuck in the fence. Yeah, very excited for um, for football this year. I know we were talking training camp. There's some definitely some fun storylines going on right now, number one of which I think has to be the Jonathan Taylor saga. Yeah, it's quite the saga it's turned into. I mean, he clearly is not happy with that franchise. I mean, Jim Irsay seems like he's kind of off his rocker a bit, so I can't really blame him. I yeah, might be part of nuts. the reason why Andrew Luck retired early on top of the injuries. <laughs> that's that's fair, and it's an organization that has a very proud history, I feel like, to some, you know, at least in the past 20 years. Uh, yeah, with Peyton Manning. Just Peyton and Marvin and Dallas Clark, and there's just some really awesome, awesome teams that have come through there, and uh, they've just been kind of mired in mediocrity at this point with, you know, just teams that seem like they're going to do well and just don't pan out lately. Um, and it just goes to show that you need a quarterback to do well in the NFL today. Which Anthony Richardson could be interesting. I mean, I think he's in a good position where I don't think anyone's expecting the Colts to win now, so he kind of gets some... That's I think any, all of the rookie quarterbacks this year that you're going to see starting with um, Young, Stroud, and... Uh, Richardson yeah I forgot his name there for a second Richardson all are on teams where nobody's expecting them to come out here and burn the place in the ground off the bat you know go out there and light defenses up for 300 yards and they're they are going to have time to learn and I personally like watching that happen we did that with Josh in Buffalo where he he went through his lumps and bumps they had a six and ten season early in his career and here we are we you know you're six and he's a perpetual perennial MVP candidate um and I think the more good quarterbacks that are in the league, the better it is for football and the fans as a whole. Right. I mean, you want to see the great quarterback play when you have guys like, I don't want to say Carson Wentz, but I mean, Carson kind of was at the top of the game there in 2017 and then has just really fallen off. He, I don't know who else, who else do we want to name that's just fallen off like that and kind of just... I mean, from like recent years... I can't think of any huge huge names that truly like had some glory and fell off. Like Carson is a pretty good example of that. And Our, it, just, it just becomes tough to watch too. Like it makes you not excited to watch the football game because yeah. you know some kind of dumb mistake is going to happen because he's not going to read the defense properly like he should and still makes mistakes that kids in college are making. Well, the problem that in Carson with Carson Wentz is that he just wasn't. I didn't. He's not was not a likable character. Like he just didn't seem to endear himself. To Philly, which I know can be a very difficult thing to do, but he's had the opportunity to do it at two other stops now, and the same thing. He there seems to be a bit of a a problem, you know. Yeah, his way or no way, it almost seems like. Yeah, the you know it's the kind of thing where if you you go everywhere anytime, if you go to every job, and there's always seems to be a problem at that new job or in that new organization. There's no matter where you go or what you do that there's an issue, and it's not working out. Maybe it's, it's time to take a look in the mirror. Yep. Same with uh, another one we're dealing here with in Philadelphia, Mr. James Harden. Go play in China. Go play in Saudi Arabia for all the money. I don't care. Like, wherever he goes, he loses. There's a problem. He loses. And it's just not worth uh, 
not worth the trouble. Yeah, let's say something about you that every time something pops up or it doesn't go, quote-unquote, your way, you're asking out. Well, maybe it's because of you yourself, not because of your teammates and the organization around you. Yeah, like take a long, hard look in the mirror and, you know, just kind of just understand that maybe there's more to it than a bad team around you. You've had your opportunities, at least – you know, at least Carson, like, he went and tried to pick up elsewhere when things didn't work out. James Harden has forced his way out of every situation he's tried to get himself into. Yeah, when the going gets tough, he doesn't want to When the going gets down, tough, he wants out. James gets going as far away from that situation as he can. Don't love it. No, I mean, look at what Trey Turner did. He owned up to the fact that he has been struggling. And he's been struggling not just at bat. He's been struggling in the field. And Very you much could so. definitely tell that it's been weighing on him. And the city of Philadelphia embraced it because he owned up to it, and they gave him the standing ovation, and his numbers since then. He's been exactly what we wanted from him. Yeah, he looks like the player that you signed and gave $300 million to. And that's okay. If he had a first, a rough first half of the season, we see it time and time again, um, You know, at least in my tenure as a Phillies fan. Anybody that they've signed for decent money has come in here and struggled off the bat. Bryce did it. Nick did it. Um, now Trey had that same issue. But look at Bryce and Nick. I mean – Nick's having a little bit of a rough patch right now, but Bryce is coming alive. Trey's coming alive. It's all happening at the right time. Um, yeah, the Phillies are starting to really hit their stride, it seems like, at least offensively speaking, and if the pitching can hold up, because that's what's more or less carried them through the through the course of the year so far, given how much the bats have struggled. Yeah, they're painfully inconsistent. Um, they can go and score 15 runs or not score a run for three days. And I think the guy who's kind of been let off the hook a lot this year is JT Romuto. Yeah, because he's been, he would be, in my opinion, the exception to the big money spent. But he, we also did trade for him, so it wasn't as the same as signing a big free agent deal. He didn't, like, choose to come here outright. But Boy, he, that was a trade that has certainly worked out for the Phillies' favor. Great. It, honestly, it I was, was a little worried about it at the time with, what was it, Sanchez and Sixto Alfaro? Sixto Sanchez and Jorge Alfaro. Oh, and man. it's like, Sixto Sanchez, he then pitches, like, I think it was the next postseason for the Miami Marlins, and you're like, wow, what did the Phillies just give up? It like, looked like they gave up an ace. Yeah, and then he just has not been able to stay healthy. No. And that was the concern the Phillies had, and I think that's why he was expendable. And yeah. look at that. I mean, JT was the best catcher in baseball. He's been that, I would say, up until through this year. This year, I think he's definitely fallen off a bit. But in my opinion, at least, mainly offensively. Yeah, and the other thing – defensively he's still doing well but his he's not throwing out as many guys because of the rule where you can only throw over to first base so many times it makes it tougher for the catcher because if the pitcher goes over twice doesn't pick him off you know the runner just has a pretty much free head start on the pitcher once he makes a move and it's not coming to first base he's taken off it makes it much more difficult on jt as the catcher and between that and the pitch clock because if you know if you got a guy like aaron nola who uses every second of that pitch clock as the runner, it's just your time in it. Yep. And you know that, okay, get, let him pick, let him try to pick me off twice, stay kind of close to the bag, and I'm out of here. Um, but, you know, that, that's what, like you said, I think if you endear yourself to the fans and the community around you, you get some leeway. Where, like, JT's not the most vocal guy. You don't see him out there as much, like, talk, like in interviews and stuff. But he's been super genuine in his time here, and that goes a long way in Philadelphia. I feel like James Harden, Ben Simmons, Carson Wentz, the guys who have struggled here. Total opposite. Have been fake. and Fake in the way they approach everyone. I mean, I feel like James Harden doesn't even interact with the Philly faithful at all. No, he's just here, collects his paycheck, plays some basketball when he feels like it. It's one sweet paycheck to... Yeah, I wish I was making $35 million a year. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> complain about what's going on. I'll take like 10% of that and be plenty happy. Yeah, 10% would be nice. I mean, heck, I'd even settle for 1%, but hey, who am I to complain? Man, this is the beauty of sports podcasting. This uh, this segue here started with training camp football. <laughs> and now we're talking about James Harden and how much money he makes. We end up back in Phillies talk with the Phillies and, uh, and the Sixers. Um, so let's circle back around to training camp. I yes. feel like Jonathan Taylor, that's where we kind of started this. And yes. He's been the hot topic. And yes. It just happens to be that the Eagles are rumored to get him. Well, the Eagles, we know they're aggressive. Howie Roseman has a hobby and a habit of... Big name shopping. Yes. They're always tied to it. Doesn't mean the deal always gets pulled off, but he's at least always interested in to see what's out there and what that cost is. Well, and he also seems to have just a knack for fleecing other teams. Yeah, I wouldn't want to make a trade with Howie Roseman. No, I I wouldn't even... If I saw... If I was like a... Like uh, Indianapolis' GM, and I saw that 215 pop up, I'm not answering the phone. 
I'm yeah. just kidding. I probably would because I think the Eagles could actually put together a pretty convincing package for him. I mean, they did send Carson Wentz and got a first-round pick from the Colts <laughs> out of it, so I don't know how eager they are to pick up that phone if well, they see that 215 area code pop Car- up. Carson wasn't far removed from an MVP season, so I kind of understand Yeah, where he was still battling that. back from that ACL injury. That yeah. I think that's the main reason that cost Carson his career. It is. He just never was the same. And then since he still had like the – it seemed like an attitude problem from what you kind of hear. That's why he's kind of at where he's at right well, now and not on a team in the NFL. I imagine he developed a chip on his shoulder over time, though, um, because they went on to win the Super Bowl with Foles. So yeah, it was always kind of like a, And he never really got the... I don't think people gave Carson the props that he deserved for getting them to that point. No, exactly. I know that Foles obviously had to take over for, like, I don't remember how long he took over it as the starter. It was, I believe, three regular season games and then yeah. the playoff run. So, obviously. like, they were pretty much well into the making the, they had made the playoffs pretty much at that point. Yeah, and Carson was on his way Carson. to winning MVP that year, too. Yeah, he was very good. And it's, it's unfortunate to see. Like, I don't wish he doesn't seem like a bad guy or anything along those lines. I don't wish anything uh, against him. I just, like, he just didn't seem genuine and that doesn't go a long way. I think the Eagles could really put together a convincing package. Um, you could really realistically ship off, I think, Penny, realistically, because I think that the Philly fans would love to see the local kid and Swift stick around. Um, Penny and some con- assortment of your picks because you're going to be picking late either way. The, the Eagles are are bound to have a very good year. The NFC is not – this is not all fully. The NFC is weak this year, but the Eagles are – they still look very strong, very solid. They, I think whether the NFC was compared to last year better or not, the Eagles still had one of the better rosters. Now, to put it into perspective as to what the San Francisco 49ers had to give up for Christian McCaffrey last year, they sent out a decent amount of draft picks. So I think that's what the Colts would be most interested in compared to position players coming back like Rashad Penny. So they sent out a 2023 second-round pick, third-round pick, fourth-round pick, and then a 2024 fifth-round pick. Oh, this is for, the, for McCaffrey, yeah. Right. So well, I think that's kind of like a baseline, and Taylor's younger, so it makes sense that why the Colts would want potentially more back. Well, I think, and I, I say throw in Penny, just I think more just, holy cow, that was quite the hack. Uh, Bryce Harbour tried to break his back with a swing. Um, I think with, I think I just say throw send Penny back just to kind of try to make the cap work a little bit better, but you can navigate that no problem in the NFL these days. Yeah, how he's a magician with the cap. Yeah, I I've heard I mean there's the rumor that the Bills are looking into him, but the Bills offensive line is horrendous at the moment. Um it really wouldn't make sense to give up the assets needed to bring in Taylor to have him try to run behind a line that hasn't had a 1000-yard rusher. Well, no, they had Singletary rush for 1000, but um, when Josh Allen runs for his life constantly and they can't open holes, it's not the most ideal situation for a um, guy that's not really a re- full re- fully receiving back. I mean, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, but it's not really his forte. Yeah, he's definitely a between-the-tackles type runner. Yeah, and uh, the Bills are not equipped for that. I did see him also tied with Miami, but I see them kind of tied to, tied to all the big names right now. Yeah, they were tied to Dalvin Cook, too, before he signed with the Jets. Yeah, that would be kind of wild, though, for them to have a team with uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Waddle. Jonathan Taylor, John- Jalen Waddle. I don't love it at all. Not one bit. Um, yeah, being a Bills fan in the same division. Yeah. Um, I it's You know, it's tough to stay on top of all the training camp and stuff. I don't feel super confident Super confident in the Bills this year. I do kind of like that they almost have an underdog status to them again now. Um, all, everyone's picking the Jets to win the East, and that's fine. I think that's when they the Bills do their best work is when the pressure's not there. I mean, the Jets have a good defense. Yes, Aaron Rodgers. Jets Rogers. have a ridiculous defense. They have yeah, a lot probably, of really great talent up the middle. I'm def- And Sauce Gardner on the outside. I'm definitely... <laughs> yeah, arguably the best corner in the league already. Definitely underselling what their defense yeah, is. That's fair. Now, granted... They did have Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco at quarterback last year, manning the helm of their offense. So you can see why the bringing in of Aaron Rodgers excites a lot of people nationally, locally for the Jets. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, how much does Rodgers have left in the tank? I hope not much. Um, I don't. I was not all that impressed with him last year. I was fortunate enough to see him. I think he looked checked out last year. He did oh, he did. I just think he was very much like he wanted to be in Green Bay anymore. Well, I think there's that. But honestly, I think he might just be over the the lifestyle of the NFL quarterback and the grit and grind of it. So maybe he's getting a little more leeway in New York than he was in Green Bay. 
But New York is also, they have weapons that he did not have in Green Bay. Yeah, Garrett Wilson's a stud up there. So I think, if, oh yeah, he was my second round pick in my fantasy draft the other night. He, I mean, he put up pretty good numbers as a rookie with those trio quarterbacks <laughs> I just mentioned. So you yeah. now get a future Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers. I think if you get 75% Aaron Rodgers, that's a major upgrade over what they had last year. I think you're going to get close to 100% Aaron Rodgers because he's going to be in re- be reinvigorated, and he knows that people feel the way that we do about him. Right. With that, he lo- looks washed up and whatnot, but you know he might, might could be a similar situation to what we de- we've seen with what we saw with Tom Brady, where he probably should have hung it up after they won the Super Bowl in Tampa and called it a day then, but he came back and looked human. For the first time in 20 years and i he just kind of went out he kind of fizzled out and i feel like he should have gone out on top and i don't know it might have made sense for rogers when he had a chance to win the mv when he won one of those mvps to say you know what guys I'm yeah, that was done. what two years ago yeah i'm done because like he does look he a went bit back-to-back wash. mvps didn't he he did he's like what three or four time mvp at this point and has what one super bowl yeah no i mean it's the packers like yeah i feel like that there's a the pack, I mean, with him and Favre, um, you get guys that... Must be, be nice to run those two quarterbacks back-to-back. <laughs> Back-to-back back. Back for the past, what, 40 years, 30, 40 years almost at this hey, point? no pressure on you, Jordan Love. Yeah, I'm curious to see that because I feel like this could be like, you know, like this year how the Yankees have been pretty bad and we might see them miss the playoffs for the first time in 30 years. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're getting close to like being under 500 for the record. Yeah, for the, I think they might. They, they're either there or they might, they're close. They are wow. They're actually five games under. They're sixty one. Yeah, I, say and I thought they were under five hundred. They went on like a nine game losing streak, right? But it's the first time that they've been under five hundred in our entire life. Tom and I are both thirty years old, and this is the first time they've been under five hundred. Yeah, like this late in the life. season. Yeah, this yeah this late in the season, um, which I find fascinating. But I do think we might see that with Green Bay, where a team that is a perennial powerhouse of some sort, even their down years, they were good. You kind of always expected the Packers to hang around, and. They and you see them at the end of the season. You'd see them get into the playoffs in the NFC, and it's like the last team you want to face. Yeah, and they always seem to be able to put it together, not finish the job, but like they're always going to be a tough team. Yeah, tough out there. But I think now it's going to be very different. There's they have. I mean, Christian Watson could be interesting, but they don't really have much in terms of weapons. Aaron Jones is going to be relied on heavily this year. Yeah, him and AJ Dillon, both still quality running backs. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and then. I think they have a rookie tight end, if I'm not mistaken, that they drafted. Uh, you, or yeah, is may Tunyon still there? Tunyon is still there, I believe. Either way, uh, it's like definitely a transition period there for the Packers. A lot of young talent, and that can ne- go either way, really. That can be great, or it can go kind of poorly, um, at least early on. But like, if you got the time and you know, you're not really expecting yourself to really win, take the time to develop. Yeah, and then in a couple years, you can be you know approaching the top of the division again that i feel yeah. like that kirk cousins he's getting older detroit has jared goff how much i think can you chicago, put chicago my eyes but on justin chicago fields is definitely the t- um quarterback and team to watch moving forward well the thing is there's two things in my opinion one they have a lot of draft capital too Chicago's exciting yeah especially when like trading away that first overall pick they brought in a lot of capital from the panthers um justin fields is exciting uh i think dj moore is going to be very good there I'm partially biased, but they did sign Tremaine Edmonds out of Buffalo to a huge contract, and I personally was a Tremaine Edmonds fan, a pretty divisive player in, um, in Buffalo because people expected more out of him. He's a is he a safety or corner? middle middle linebacker? Oh, linebacker? So his okay. brother, you're thinking of his brother Terrell, who plays for the Eagles now. Okay, and there's actually a third Edmonds brother who was a, a, a defensive back as well, and I believe I don't know if he's still in the league, but he was there was two of them on the Steelers at one point. That's right. Um. But, I, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting pieces in Chicago that if they can play it right, that's a team I would love to see be relevant again. I think they're, story, they're such a storied franchise. Um, I've always been kind of partial to their navy blue and orange color scheme. I think it's real clean, slick. I'm a big jersey guy. Yeah, that big yeah. color scheme guy. I've always loved the, the Bears aesthetic. Um, but I think that, you know, for me, one of the fun things about sports is when those teams that have been bottom dwellers forever or have had rough patches can turn it around and start to really do something for themselves like i mean as obviously as a bills fan i watched that myself firsthand and it was an incredible feeling but i've always liked the underdog love to see teams turn around that's why like the lions who i think if they can get a real good quarterback in that group like that's a scary team they're already going to be they're going to be upsetting some people this year in terms of you think like they're not the lions of old who you thought you had a pretty easy win 
Um, you know, I think they're always going to be difficult. They're going to play you tough. Dan Campbell has a group of guys that love to play physical, aggressive football. Um, I remember watching the Eagles Giant uh, Eagles Lions game last year. That was a slobber knocker. Yeah, week one. Yeah, back and forth. Well, the Eagles went up by a decent bit too, and then the Lions stormed back. Stormed back in the second half. It was like it was like a thirty-five, thirty-one game in the end, I believe, something like that. Yeah, Eagles pulled it out, obviously, but like everyone, that kind of put the league on on notice. Like, oh, hey, the Lions are here to play because the Eagles are not an easy team to put thirty points on. No, not at all. I think week one is also can be such a fluke. You never really know it. Like I saw the Bills lose to a pretty bad Steelers team week one two years ago, thirteen yeah. to ten. Yeah, you kind of take it with a grain of salt these days because none of these guys play in the preseason. No, so no one's probably physically ready for all that contact that happens until what week two, a couple weeks three, in, maybe even week four. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's um. I think there's some very. It's I love football season. There's because every game hold feels like it holds so much meaning. Compared to baseball, where you run a hundred sixty-two games, yeah, schedule. I watched the I watched the Phillies lose, you know, eighty games, and I'm like, okay, whatever. But you lose, you know, eight games in an NFL season. All of a sudden, it's like, hold on, what's going on here? Don't love this. Um, oh, we have a little furry visitor. Hello, Darla. Um, I don't. I th- just think that there's, um, yeah, you're definitely right about teams are not playing guys in the preseason, and they're just not ready, and that's fine i i'm here for it i don't want to watch my stars get hurt in the preseason right it makes sense like and it's only a matter of time before i think they eliminate another preseason game they're now down to three yeah just uh, yeah i guess give them and a, a lot of these teams practice. do those joint practices too which are much more competitive in game-like situations than these preseason games are yeah it gets it elicits more competition and it gets guys energy energetic and excited to see adrenaline pump in uh, going head to head against people like that um, is very interesting i'm definitely excited to see where football season takes us um i just think that there is a lot um a lot of fun storylines to watch this year i'm excited to watch the rookie quarterbacks that are all getting starts early on um i personally i think cj stroud is going to be an exciting one um yeah down there in houston they John Mechie, he'll be a fun player to potentially watch coming back from the ACL injury and then leukemia too. It's kind of someone you kind of want to like root for and oh, hope, yeah. he, hope he makes it and does well. And then they've Damian Pierce, he had a great rookie season and hoping he continues to move forward with that. And then the C.J. Stroud pick out of Ohio State, we'll see where he lands. I think Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling yeah, for of sure. the quarterbacks. But Lowest the floor most, and the highest ceiling. Most likely bust potential. I definitely agree with that, Tom. And, you know, I think uh, we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll come back with a few stories for you in just a few, just a minute. All right. Can't wait. This episode of Going Back, Back, Back is brought to you by Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC, located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. For all of your heating, air conditioning, and plumbing needs, call the professionals today at 484-849-1015. Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC the one-stop call for your business and or home. Call them again at 484-849-1015. All right, we are back. And we have some breaking news coming back from the break here. A trade just happened as we're recording. So Dallas Cowboys have just acquired Trey Lance from the San Francisco 49ers for a 2024 fourth-round pick. Interesting. That's the second big name from that draft that's been traded in the past two days for a lot less than they were <laughs> than they were picked for i i find that interesting um yeah I mean, and the 49ers gave up a lot to move up to draft him too yeah all to trade him away for brock purdy is brock purdy really that good they i mean i think he's just a yeah, he product was... of the offense that kyle shanahan runs and then you have sam darnold as your backup yeah, so I get, I get, so I get. Apparently, they're impressed with Darnold out there in San Fran with how he throws the ball. I think I, I've always kind of been a Sam Darnold fan. I, he was one of those guys in the year that we took Josh, who I was have been totally fine with Sam Darnold. He was a Jets pick, right? He was third overall. It was Baker one, um, Sam Darnold at three, Josh at seven, and then Josh Rosen at 10. yeah to the Cardinals, and then Lamar at thirty two, right out of Louisville. Yeah. To, uh, and then the following year, the Cardinals go back and take Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. 
Yeah, Josh Rosen kind of came off as a prick, so I don't really feel as bad for him, where Sam Darnold always seems like a genuinely good dude. Drafted into a really crappy situation. The Jets were such a dumpster fire for a long time. Um, and then went to Carolina, who's not really any better. So he's like finally in a place where he can probably showcase his talents and what he can yeah. actually do. I think honestly, eventually, I bet you he takes over the starting job from Purdy, just because I don't really see what I don't see what they see in Purdy, but I also don't haven't watched them much. So and he's just an accurate thrower. Like he doesn't have any of the physical tools. He can't, which is what you, all you need. To, Shanahan's offense is quick hit, short yeah, throws, gadget dunk, plays. Kind of yeah. Helps when you got the likes of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle, and then Christian McCaffrey running back with a yeah, pretty I, good offensive line in front of him. I kind of forget about McCaffrey going there because, I don't know, I just he just slips my mind with that one just because it was so kind of random. and Yeah, like no one saw that one coming. Well, then once Purdy went down, it was over for them. So I feel like, you know, it was unfortunate. I'm curious with the Cowboys move, though. First of all, one, I feel bad for Trey Lance. He, I don't think he really ever got a chance to truly show what he had. At least in games in San Fran. Um, but I feel like yeah, he started last year in Week One. He what like broke his ankle and was out yeah, for the season. Yeah, so like he really has not had a good chance to show what he has. You know, I think he's a victim of the Carson Wentz, Josh Allen success of the early, you know, earlier years of that small school. You know, yeah, he went to the same school as Carson, North Dakota State. Yeah, I mean, so for that, you're looking at FCS even. You know, Wyoming's at least small, small D1, but FCS school in North Dakota State, just kind of hoping to replicate that success. And I still think, and, but even there, he didn't really have, I believe he only started like 10 games in college. Or yeah, he was hurt even. a good bit in college too, and then and wasn't the 49ers a, gambled on him and took him third overall. Wasn't he a COVID-era player too, so he like lost a season and – Probably sounds right because he's this would have been his third year, I believe. And that was the draft where was it Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, and then Trey Lance three? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, at least the Jaguars seem to have gotten that right. He's finally putting it together. Well, it helps when you don't have Urban Meyer as head coach. And Dougie P has a way of teaching uh, coaching quarterbacks where, yeah, he's a great offensive mind. It helps. He was in the league, he played with Brett Favre. He, yeah, he was an NFL quarterback, so that's. Which is so wild to me, like when I learned that fact, because my football history knowledge is definitely more limited than my base. My baseball is my best sport when it comes to sports history, right? For sure. But like Same football, here. I you know when I learned that Dougie P was a he was a backup quarterback <laughs> for the Eagles too. Eagles, and he started for the Browns for a while, and I mean he's been uh, he was he was around the league. Um, I found that to be pretty interesting, um, but he does a great job with quarterbacks and. You know, I think Trevor Lawrence, I'm excited to watch them this year. If him and Kelvin Ridley can create a connection, that can be really something. Um, and then you Christian Kirk, he did very yeah, well very well. last year. Evan Ingram did. Travis Etienne. Did. I they just, have that connection from when they were at Clemson, him it, and Lawrence. It's amazing to me how many dangerous teams are in the AFC now. It's ridiculous. It's yeah, the an, AFC it's been is a really blown up. True arms race. It is, by and large, the better of the two conferences. I think that it is way more. T- it's The NFC, I wouldn't even say is top heavy. I feel like it's the Eagles and the Niners, and then maybe the Cowboys and Vikings behind them. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. And that's obviously you assume health with all teams when talking about what their ceilings are. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Availability is the best uh the best skill you can have. Yeah, your best ability is availability. Yes, sir, I was I could could not figure out the line for the life of me. So that's I what appreciate Hollis, you. Hollis Thomas always said when he was on, on sports radio talk around here. Oh, yeah. Your best ab- ability is availability. Well, and it comes up a lot in the Aaron Nola debate around here um, where Nola is hit or miss. He's almost um, too available because lo- he's always available. Yes, love him or hate him. I think he just he's too good at throwing strikes. Uh, <laughs> he just does not. He puts too many balls within batting range. and uh, It's like you're a boat too. Don't throw him a strike. Yeah, you know, but I digress. Back to football. A um, lot of exciting talent. I'm curious. I'm Imagine they bring Trey in just to be a backup, but also Dak is really not that good. No, he's been, I mean, it helps when you had CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, arguably the best offensive line at the time in the game. It's going to make you look a lot better than you probably really are. Well, because he, he missed, what, like five games last season? Or if not he did more. miss a few, yes. He missed quite a few games and still led the, led the league in interceptions. Yeah, which is not a good thing to do. No, it's pretty bad. Not exactly... Um, 
Yeah, not exactly uh, elite quarterback material, in my opinion. I mean, he was a fourth or fifth round pick. Like, he wasn't exactly yeah, expected to be as good as he's been. He's been a good quarterback in the NFL. He just has not been the great elite starting QB that you want to start your franchise around. So maybe they're just taking a flyer on Trey Lance. Fun backup, you know, if... You know, Prescott's good for getting hurt one or two games a season. Yeah, I mean, beats Cooper Rush trotting him out there, right? Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right, well, since we could talk about training camp all day, and we'll be back next week before the regular season starts, let's talk about why we're all here. Sports history, Tom, we got some fun facts today. We're not really going into stories per se. Uh, We're going to check out some fun facts that happened through the week of August 20th and August 26th in recent, well, not even recent, just sports history as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it just happens to be this first one is pretty recent. Happened in 2020. So former White Sox pitcher Lucas Giolito, now of the Los Angeles Angels, throws a no-hitter against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the White Sox, they went on to win the game 4 to nothing. So it's always cool talking about no-hitters, perfect games. They're just such a rarity in the game of baseball. Oh, yeah. So besides that, just something else I want to throw out here. I love how the Angels, they decided to go all-in and acquired Giolito at this trade deadline here in 2023. But unfortunately, it just totally blew up on them in their face. They acquired Giolito. They acquired Middleton from the White Sox well in that deal relief pitcher. And then they went out and got CJ Crone and Randall Gritchick from the Rockies. So they were all in. You know, how long? How much longer is Shohei Otani going to stay in LA and be an Angel? So it was the right decision from a baseball standpoint to go all in and try and win the World Series this year. But from a long-term standpoint, when you trade away like three or four of your top five to ten prospects, it didn't make any sense because realistically, were the Angels going to go and win the World Series? Probably not. No. I mean, no, Mike Trout's been all. hurt this year. He fractured his hamate bone and then recently just came back two days after being activated, goes back on the injured list because of the same injury. That's a dude whose career is going to be one big what if, because he's had a great career, but there's still so much. What if he just stayed healthy? Yeah, I think he was already in the Hall of Fame for what he did, unless he like never plays another game of baseball. Maybe he doesn't get in, but like the career trajectory to where he was was all-time level. So as long as he can just like stay on the field for another five to six years, I think he's a not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he'll definitely get in. I mean, looking at the quality of guys getting in, I think that it's he's on that li- he's on that trajectory still. Um, you just got to start again. Your best ability is availability, and when you're missing fifty plus games a year, it's not great for your career stats. No, and unfortunately, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, that's what dictates it on your longevity in the game. Oh, big time. And, you know, kind of touching on your, your comment about the Angels and going all in. And, uh, you know, that's their attempt at all in. It was pretty piss poor, to be honest. Well, that's Giolito, sure, it, it, great pitcher. I would have loved to see him in our rotation here in Philadelphia. Crone, fine bat. Grichik, fine. Yeah, fourth but outfielder. Just fine. Good against lefties. That's the thing, though. So, like, when everyone expects you to be a seller, and not only just selling, but potentially selling are possibly the greatest player of all time um, in Otani. And then all of a sudden you're buying, but you're not really buying. Yeah, and they lost seven straight once the trade deadline happened. You know, it's just it's it's done so poorly. It just shows what a poorly run franchise that is. And they have they lucked into drafting Trout. They lucked into signing Otani because he wanted to be in an area with a higher Asian population. Yeah, and, and on the West Coast contract. And he, I don't think he wanted the pressure of the Dodgers when he first came over. Because um, I feel like there's a huge spotlight. He's look at the spotlight he has now. But imagine him playing for a team like the Dodgers. Um, just the you know, I don't think he would wanted that. Well, here's the thing with the Angels. If they did want it, like, I don't think they could have bought much more than they did because their prospect pool was just, is not good. No. Well, cause again, you can't go and trade draft picks in the MLB like you can in every other sport. They're a poverty franchise, dude. It's like, they, not, and I which say, is crazy when you're based out of Los Angeles. Well, yeah, which I say that it was and that they operate in like just a poor, like a poor mindset. And I'm not talking even poor, like financially. They just like, they act like they don't have the resources and the ability to put a com- competitive team on the field. And they, they lucked into their World Series back in, like, what was that, 2001? 2000, 2000, no, it was 2002, maybe 03, somewhere in that range. They lucked into that with a very very fun lineup. But otherwise, I was on the same been, wavelength as you with 01, but that was the Diamondbacks. Yes, that was the Diamondbacks. That was a fun team. Look at that lineup, and that's a freaking beast. 2002, they beat the Giants two. four games okay. to three. 
Yeah, then you know, but since then they just there's nothing to be excited about with them, and they just continue to make stupid decisions, and they just happen to. Can you imagine where they'd be if they didn't sign, uh, if they they weren't able to sign Otani, if they didn't draft Trout, what we would be looking at, what we could be looking at now, because at least they have star pole, they have star power. Yeah, and they signed Anthony Rendon, <laughs> which is it was like four years ago now. One of the worst contracts, in and he got over. I think it was like seven years, like two hundred ten million, I want to say. But he's played like he's, he's hurt been, again this year. He yeah. can't stay healthy for them, which is crazy to me. I just and, I don't because he was it. always healthy in Washington. And He was amazing for the freaking that that national team. Looking back on who they had in that organization at one point, they were all developed within the organization between Bryce and Trey Strasburg. And Rendon. Speaking of Strasburg, he just uh, coming out. He's going to retire now. I thought I saw that, but like honestly, good for him. I mean, he's already wrecked his body, wrecked his arm. Like, had a good career, but like you know, when you throw, I feel like when you throw as hard as he did, there's no way you're going to hold up a long term. Like, so I don't think it's the fastball throwing as hard as you can with a fastball. I think it's the sliders the, and like curveballs balls and stuff. Because these guys are throwing 90 mile an hour sliders. Like, yeah, you're right. And you're, that, that requires bringing your elbow around. And this is all, all throwing is unnatural. Like it's not really, it's not the way our, our body was designed to use the arm as like a pendulum. So, like, that, it's that force coming through that gets you that speed. So, like, already it's doing something it's not really, in theory, built to do. Right. It's unnatural. So, core. And, and some of these guys start trying to throw, like, I had elbow issues growing up and I wasn't even throwing curveballs and stuff. These guys start throwing curveballs and sliders and breaking balls at an early age. It could really stunt your growth and your development long term. Yeah, I mean, my dad didn't let me throw curveballs when I was in Same. little league. I Same. threw fastballs, changeups, and a good old knuckleball. Yeah, I threw. Yeah, <laughs> dude, me too. I threw a four seam fastball, a two seam fastball. And I don't think the two seam had any difference. I threw a changeup that was basically just a choked out four seam. <laughs> I threw a knuckleball as well. Pitching didn't last a long time. I could hit the ball. The pitching was not really my forte. No, nah, I mean, I I pitched all the way into high school, but that. That's another story for another day. We don't got to dive into that's, our high school careers. That's our sports history. My two years riding the bench on varsity basketball was a real thrilling time. All right, next fact. Yeah, what do you got for me, Brian? <laughs> All right, so back in this week in 1971, the man, the myth, the legend, Bobby Orr of the Boston Bruins, signed a five-year contract worth $1 million, becoming the first million-dollar contract in NHL history. So to put that in perspective, five years, $1 million is $200,000 per year. Where over that span was $7.5 million in today's money. So $7.5 million over five years. Oh, you which, got the inflation calculator Oh, I pulled there? that up before we even started the episode. Be- beat me to it. It's in my... It, we've, I feel like we have this conversation almost weekly. Just like prove a point um, to like where money's going. So I just kind of have it open <laughs> at this point on my computer. Uh, so $7.5 million contract. That's about one. Uh, what's I don't know the math on that. I don't care to do it, but like it's really not that crazy of a contract to get a player of his stature at that price. Looking at where the league is at now, yeah. I mean, also Matthews just signed for thirteen million a year. Yeah, for the next per four years. year, and also shows you the value that's been placed on sports and athletics as a whole. Which is uh, you know as much as we're sports guys and stuff, I I think it's a little ridiculous the amount they get paid. Uh, but Bobby Orr, arguably one of the greatest um, defensemen of all time is the fact that that was what he was making. I mean, at the time, he was living in the lap of luxury. A million dollars today will do you good, too. But back then, I mean, that's some serious serious moolah, some real cheddar. Yeah, and just to kind of put the deal that Austin Matthews just signed into perspective, he's now the highest-paid NHL player at $13.5 million a year. That would make him the 113th highest-paid player in the NBA, the 103rd highest-paid player in the MLB, and the 88th highest-paid player in the NFL. Wow. So more or less, he can't do anything. Well, that's, I, you know. I, He's a peasant in the sports world. <laughs> yeah. I find that, you know, fascinating because when people talk about sports in this country, then they say the big four, it's baseball, it's basketball, it's football, and then hockey. But really, this country truly has a big three. Yeah. I mean, and hockey, hockey is the little brother. Yeah. It's still, but the hockey, though, I think gets included because it's bigger than soccer. On the professional level, bigger than NASCAR and bigger than like PGA Tour, and yes. PBA, but it's not nearly the size of the NFL and yeah, the NFL, top three NBA or MLB. Um, like the amount of revenue those teams bring in, and those three is absurd. I mean, the Cowboys, the latest like Forbes evaluation of each team, I think had the Cowboys at like nine billion, nine and a half billion. Like, there's no disgusting. NHL franchise worth that much. And, all, and for what? 
for what? They suck. Yeah, it's tough when you haven't won a playoff game since, like, what, 90-something? <laughs> yeah, 90-something. Yeah, not not good. Not good at all. Tom, what do we got? We got to get some more facts coming up here, but what do we, what do we got next? Uh, Arthur Ashe, legendary tennis player. He becomes the first African-American to win the 1968 U.S. Open. He defeats Tom Oker from the Netherlands in five sets. Uh, you know, I find it fascinating that he was the only African-American to win the 1968 U.S. Open because he was the only person to win it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kind of getting on you about the way you said that. but Yeah, he was uh, the first African-American to win the U.S. Open. Yeah, he's a... If I pitched that wrong, sorry. You, you, no, you didn't. I thought it was funny. I appreciated it. Um, I, um, he's a... That's a true legend in the, in the sporting world. Not only for being... I believe he was... Wasn't he the first... Uh, african-american athlete to make the pro tennis tour but he would not only was he good enough to be on it he was amazing yeah he's a very good player it's not like he was just some guy that happened to play his way and win a u.s open like he was a very good player yeah great player there's i mean there's the one stadium that's named after him i believe it's the one in yeah new york Queens where the u.s open is every year Arthur Ashe Stadium. All right, yeah, you know more. <laughs> you know more than I do there. And there's an ESPY award named after him too for I think for courage. It's a courage award. Out, yes, yeah, correct. Now. Yeah, very. He's somebody I don't really know a whole lot about, but I think he's somebody that would be really fascinating to, to read up on and learn about. So maybe I'll try to find a story about him in the uh, in the near future um, if I can find a good one. All right, and this week back in 2008, the U.S. men's basketball team won the Olympic gold medal. Narrowly by a score of one eighteen to one hundred seven, defeating the Spaniards. Um, this now, when was, you hear that score, you don't think like narrow victory, but when you know of like what the Dream Team did and like yes. other USA basketball well, teams, this, was was this the Redeem Team? That, wasn't this considered the Redeem Team, or was that twenty sixteen? Um, no, it was. I think it was the two thousand eight team because yes. the two thousand four team and like two thousand team like didn't have great showings. No, I think a couple of bronze medals or something. And this team, I. I think one of those didn't even like medal the 2000 or the 2004 team, but the 08 team it had Kobe, had LeBron, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, like all yeah, those guys are like the height of their powers more or less, if yeah. not like just oh. peeking right into their prime. Yeah, dude, coached by Coach K um, and captained by Kobe Bryant. I mean, this team was phenomenal in uh, the preliminary rounds group play. They were five and zero um, with a 161 point differential. Um, the Spaniards came in second. They had a four and one, losing to the U.S. with a plus forty nine point differential. This group also included Greece, who uh, would have featured a Hito Turkoglu at the time. No, he's he's Greek, not Greek, Turkish. I apologize, Turkish. So I am fully wrong on that. Um, yeah, I don't know who Greece would have had then. I don't honestly don't either. Uh, the that's, Chinese. That's uh, before Giannis's time. Yeah, oh, long before Giannis's time. China, Germany, who may have featured Dirk at the time, and then Angola. So, the U.S. Um, handily dispatched of the Chinese, one hundred one to seventy, beat the Spaniard, uh, beat Greece ninety two to sixty nine, beat um, wait, hold on, beat the Greeks ninety two to sixty nine, went on to beat Spain one nineteen to eighty two, and then just throttled Germany one hundred six to fifty seven. Yikes! Yeah, they um, met up with Australia in the first quarterfinals, but won that game by thirty-one points. Beat the Argentinians by twenty in the semis. That was probably like Luis Scola, Argentina, and like was uh, that managing too? Very likely. Um, that would have been. Uh, yeah, I would think that would have been Scola. Um, Andres Nocioni might have been on that team. Um, yeah, Ginobili, Scola, um, Carlos was Carlos Delfino or is he Puerto Rican? I don't know. Good question. Either way, um, if somebody knows that, let us know the answer, please, because... Neither of us do. Yeah, I certainly didn't know that. Um, yeah, this U.S. team, though, 2008, featured a pretty ridiculous um, roster. I think Chris Bosch was on that team, too. Just Yeah, I'm just going to rattle it off. I mean, uh, starting it... Well, not starting, but uh, Carlos Boozer, Jason Kidd, LeBron, Darren Williams, Michael Red, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, Chris Bosch, Chris Paul, Tayshaun Prince, and Carmelo Anthony. Um, Tayshawn Prince is the weakest link on that team, and he was still a great player. Yeah, those days on him with the Detroit Pistons and Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. Like, Coatesville's own Rip Hamilton. Yeah. Grew uh, up not far from this house that we're recording in right Hamilton. now. Coatesville, PA's finest, Rip Richard Hamilton, the man in the mask. Um, this team was also coached, though. Head coach was Mike Krzyzewski. Um, assisting him, you had Jim Beheim, Nate McMillan, and Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, I mean, just an all-around great 
team that was put together. Great coaching staff. So the fact that they they won their closest game by 11 points that whole tournament shows you just what kind of a team they were. And I remember watching that game too. It was a very tough game, like very a lot of bodies being thrown around on the glass, a lot of got chippy too. I don't know if you remember watching it, but I have a pretty good memory of watching that game i don't recall watching it to be honest um, and there's a netflix documentary out uh, there out is too, and i've seen that redemption one actually we were talking about the argentinians there there's two numbers retired in uh, argentina basketball history for the national team one is number five for this guy named manu ginobili the other one is 13 for andres nocioni i thought scola might be on that list too but apparently not maybe in the future who knows i couldn't tell you but, yeah, so uh, the U.S. men's basketball team, 2008, the redeemed team, really just, I mean, look at that lineup. I'm not surprised they didn't lose a game. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't win by more, <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah, only one 50-point win? This is ridiculous. What are we doing here? All right, so on to our next fun fact for this week. In 1989, Pete Rose was suspended for life from baseball for betting on games while he was manager of the Reds. A very controversial topic in the sport of baseball. Yeah, so that would so thirty two years or thirty four years ago is when this happened, and nowadays you can't turn on sports without seeing a thousand advertisements, billboards, um, commercials for betting. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Phillies have a DraftKings um, like billboard in their stadium somewhere. Dude, the, the Eagles have the R- FanDuel lounge at the link. Like. R- Wrigley Field has a DraftKings lounge. Yeah, it's just, a place known for history and tradition and who have done a phenomenal job of the upkeep and maintaining that. Um, they did, even they have a DraftKings sports book. And that to me was crazy. I, I, you know, I've placed my bets here and there. I don't love how pervasive it's become in the world of sports. You can't turn on sports radio without hearing about it. Um, yeah, every commercial just has at least one sports betting, whether it's DraftKings, FanDuel. Yeah, so the fact that this man was bet MGM, like you name it, they're broadcasting their commercials and i you know i would get it long term if the man had like bet on his own team to lose and they lost yeah he's like making moves that are like well this guy's a no hitter through 70s at 70 pitches why is he taking him out if he didn't do that type of stuff he was betting on the reds to win games constantly yeah when he would bet on his team it was to win which listen i yeah i guess it's still wrong but if you could force your team to win every game every team would try to do that so like i don't know i'm not I, I find him to be a slimier individual than some of the other guys that I've advocated for. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, I think there's more stuff to it than the betting scandal for yeah. Pete Rose. Like, there's stuff with, like, underage girls that have, like, come out. and Yeah, that's, well, he, that's it, the stuff that, like, makes you really not like the guy. They if brought he's him betting the, on his team to win a baseball game, like, I can turn a, turn a blind eye to that and say, hey, you should be in the Hall of Fame. But the other stuff, it's like, yeah. No, I agree. They, that, brought, they brought him into the booth for a Phillies game last year. I think they were celebrating the 40th anniversary of something or – I don't know. But either way, there was a Pete Rose appearance in the booth. Yeah, and things just went – he got off the road yeah, quick and went sideways. He started fine, but, yeah, all the, they had to shut his mic off at some point because of some of the comments he made. I think he's just kind of a grimy individual, unfortunately, and – I think his stats are overshadowed by the fact that he just happened to play longer and have more at-bats than anybody. He played for, what, like, 25 years in the game of baseball? Yeah, he has the most at-bats in Major League history as well as the most hits. I think that should go hand-in-hand, hand, hopefully. Because if you have that many at-bats and you're not hitting the ball, I don't know. I you, mean, there's you got a dirt on somebody. he had that many at-bats because he was constantly hitting the ball. Yeah, but great, I, I get what you're saying. Great contact hitter. He was good and played hard. He was good. Yeah, you know, he was a good he was a good player. I'm not doubting that, but he reason, should be a Hall of Famer. I mean, I think he is the reason why the Phillies won the 80 World Series because of what he brought into that clubhouse, that winning mentality from his days with the uh, Cincinnati he, Reds. He'd been around the block. He, he took knew. them over the top. Yeah, for sure. I definitely would agree with that. All right, fact, final fact of the uh of the episode is in 1920, the American Professional Football Association was formed. Jim Thorpe was named the president, and this is the league that would later become the NFL. So, Jim Thorpe alone is such a fun story. I definitely would love to touch on that at some point. Yeah, I mean, talk about going back, back, back to 1920. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a fascinating because it sounds like by all accounts that he may really be one of the greatest um, athletes of all time. Not just, not Yeah, you great. talk about freak athlete, like he's a definition of it. Yeah, he had, I don't have his stats in front of me. I should have, but. Like, um, what couldn't he do? Wasn't he like a track star and they played football? He was like a high-level track star. Too. I believe he might have had some baseball in him. 
Um, so, but the American Professional Football League, when you actually go to their um, Wikipedia page, it takes you to the uh, NFL because the NFL actually they became the National Football League as of 1922. So it was not the American Football League for long. Um, it was that was formed by the Akron Pros, Canton Bulldogs, Cleveland Indians, and Dayton Triangles. Um, they all met. And they had representatives meet at the Jordan and Hump, Hup Mobile Auto Showroom in Canton, Ohio. This meeting resulted in the formation of the American Professional Football Conference, the APFC, who was a group who, according to the Canton Evening Repository, intended to raise the standard of professional football in every way possible. This is back before pro sports were what they are now. Most of these guys worked regular jobs. It was just kind of like a extra thing they did on weekends, like a lot of people play club sports now or stuff Yeah, like imagine that. working like a 9 to 5 and then going and playing in the NFL on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, and maybe back then it just wasn't the really wasn't the uh, the same thing. So, um, the American Professional Football Association, it was initially teams were um, you had the ones that I mentioned, so the Akron Pros, Canton Bulldogs, Cleveland Indians, and Dayton Triangles. They were joined by the Hammond Pros and Muncie Flyers from Indiana, the Rochester Jeffersons from my hometown of Rochester, New York, and the Rock Island Independents, Decatur Staley's, and Racine. For then be, who became the Chicago Cardinals from Illinois. Um, this is when they renamed to the APFA. Um, Jim Thorpe was then elected president, and it, it initially consisted of 14 teams. Uh, um, the Buffalo All-Americans, Chicago Tigers, Columbus Panhandles, and Detroit Heralds joined the league during that first year. Um, I find the, the team names from back then to be pretty funny, pretty entertaining. The Panhandles... The heralds, the pros. It's just interesting how they've evolved over the years. Yeah, much more. I don't say basic, but just like different. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I don't even know what they mean by the Dayton Triangles. Like what? It, what is, does that even mean? I mean, you got the Philadelphia Eagles. That's very like their logo is actually a man in a triangle. Maybe they were good at math or something. I don't know. <laughs> So they were actually, um, they were the uh, traveling team. So they actually didn't play in Dayton, Ohio. Um, they were a traveling team from 1920 to 1929. And they were the last such road team until the Dallas Texans in 1952, who actually co- coincidentally descended from that Dayton franchise. So very interesting. Um, yeah, Jim Thorpe, the fact that he was such a dominant player, he was an Olympian. And then was elected to be the professional, uh, the president of the first professional football league. Is, uh, I mean, the man's track record is phenomenal. Yeah, it speaks for itself. I mean, it really does. What more do you need to do as a? I guess you can call him an athlete, right? Like as a yeah, full on athlete, and like as a person in your in your lifetime. Well, he's a, he, and you know he holds another because I, I believe he was also. I'll have to double check this, but I believe he was also very good at lacrosse. Yeah, I thought so too. He is a Native American. Uh, he's of Native American roots, and um, I don't. I pretty yeah, that game was very popular for the Native Americans. It, it's invent, it was invented by the the, yeah. the Iroquois. Uh, something we, we actually learned a lot about in growing up in Western New York, where they were the Iroquois Confederacy was largely uh, based out of, and lacrosse is still huge up there. I would say that there's more professional lacrosse players out of western new york than any other sport would be my guess hockey might be close up there but like the lacrosse is near buffalo right close enough yeah like an hour drive rochester's a little over an hour away yeah so there's a lot of that um i remember there was a little long house not far from the town i grew up in that you could go and like learn about there's a museum over there now i saw it when i drove by uh but yeah jim thorpe is arguably maybe the greatest native american if not the greatest American athlete in general of all time. Yeah, uh, crazy to think because he's like back in the 19 teens and 20s and whatnot. Yeah. And you see like guys today, it's like, and we still talk about how this guy might be the greatest athlete like ever. Nowadays, guys specialize in one sport starting at like 12 years old. and Which I don't think is good, but that's another no, topic for another no, day. No, I will definitely be having my kids play whatever sports they feel like. Um, but Jim Thorpe, to do what he did and to be as good as he was at so many things just shows you what kind of an athlete he really, truly was. Um, I mean, to the point that they named a town after him in northeast Pennsylvania. I'm actually not sure if it's named after him, but it feels way too coincidental to not be. No, I'm pretty sure it is. I've never been, but it's a beautiful place. Yeah, Jim Thorpe. If we can get up there, we'll record an episode up there. The Jim Thorpe episode in Jim Thorpe. 
Find hey, some, I'm in. Find some Thorps in the neighborhood to talk to. Find some people <laughs> to interview and see what we can get out of them. Yeah, you know, all the people that were alive in Jim Thorpe's era. There's uh, probably a couple left. I don't know, man. They'd be 100, and 100 plus years old at this point. Yeah, maybe they were kids. Who that's knows? true. That's true. Well, either way, we'll come back to that at a later date. Uh, we appreciate you all so much for joining us this week, touching on some fun historical facts, talking about baseball, talking about football, shooting the, uh, you know, yeah, just getting at it and talking about what we love to yeah, talk Yeah, talking about. sports. Talking sports. Tom, you got anything for us before we head out? Yeah, I mean, just thanks for everyone who listens in, tunes in each week. Um, make sure you give us a follow at Going Back Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Spotify, Facebook. And um, Brian, if you ever happen to find a toilet in your dreams, make sure you don't use it. Oh, it's too late for that, Tom. Thank you guys that have it. Enjoy your evenings. Have a good one, y'all.